So you went from being labeled learning disabled, being an engineer for Learjet, to revolutionizing the way they work on planes. Yeah. Okay. It let me know that, you know, just because someone threw a label at me doesn't mean that that is the label that I'm going to live with the rest of my life. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Vision Builders, the show about freedom, what it is, what it takes to create it, uh, how to share it, and the age-old practice of leveraging other people's hindsight to bring clarity to our own developing story. And with me, I'm really excited to share uh, with you a friend of mine, um, grew, born and raised right here in the Dayton area, went to Trotwood Madison High School. Um, he actually went to, at, at the beginning of the JVS uh, program here in the Dayton area, their, their burgeoning electronic, or I'm sorry, the electronic uh, engineering program. And after being told, labeled, uh, someone who was learning disabled managed to be uh, an engineer for Learjet. So talking about a guy who knows how to overcome some adversity, he's going to share a little bit about that. But uh, I don't want to get too much into his story. So let me just introduce to you Chuck Toki. Um, Chuck, uh, it is such a pleasure to have you with us. He and his wife, uh, Christina, and their four kids um, are just such a gift to our community. So um, Chuck, thank say you, hi Chuck. to the people. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me on the show there, Chuck. Hey, uh, it's a pleasure, pleasure and an honor to have you. Uh, one of the reasons you're on the show is, you know, Love and respect is kind of the prerequisite for anyone to be on the show. And the first time I met you, you came and you spoke to a lot of the uh, my team members in my in my uh, in my office, in our agency there. And I, you know, my wife actually walked away and was and and she was talking about you um, because you know our jaw kind of hit the hit the floor it, because your story defies a lot of expectations or a lot of limitations that people tend to put on other people from uh, in a way of saying, well, you know, such and such is hard for them. We need to make it easier. And um, your story kind of rejects a lot of that stuff and, and kind of uh, forges a whole new path of, of thinking. And I would love for you to kind of go back at least to what you were hearing as a young guy about your identity and where did you go from there? Well, going all the way back to uh, middle school when I was labeled, uh, you know, it, it was a, a learning disability. Uh, my, my learning disability is more in comprehension. Um, I, I can't read a book. I mean, it's hard for me to study, which is all I've ever done. Uh, you know, if you're going to get somewhere, you got to get there either through books or through experience. And so with me, I have to find different ways of doing things. But going back to that, that era of being learning disabled, when you're being told as a, as a young uh, kid that you're learning disabled, you just accept it. You know, it's like, ah, it's just a part of who I am now. And at the, the, when, when the opportunity was given to me to go and tour that JBS, uh, anybody around here will know what the CTC or the JBS is. But to tour that, that uh, facility, they, they took us over towards the new programs, which are the engineering programs. So there'd be computer engineering, there was electronic engineering, and, and many others. And 
I really resonated with the electronic engineering. I liked it. It sounded really neat. And I wanted to be a part of it. The problem was, is that you're typically going to be on that, that scale of being gifted to go into that. Because if not, then they have just electronic uh, programs that you can go into. But I didn't want to be that. I, I, I was a, uh, an achiever, even though I didn't achieve a whole lot in, in high school. Uh, but I wanted to be uh, an achiever. And so I wanted that program. So I w decided I was going to go ahead and I was going to test for the program. And so when it all came down to it, I took the test. I, I was coming into the high school one morning and my learning disability, my LD teacher was running down the hallway and I'm like, I am in a lot of trouble and I don't know why. And uh, Ms. Simpson just kept screaming, you passed, you passed. And so at that point, I, I realized that I was accepted into the electronic engineering um, you know, program, which it was just, uh, it was a huge moment for me. It, it let me know that, you know, just because someone threw a label at me doesn't mean that that is the label that I'm going to live with the rest of my life. And um, so the first day at the CTC, they took all the kids that were in this new program, they put them into this, uh, it was like a theater. And the first thing they said was, you know, welcome gifted students. And no one's ever called me gifted. You know, I, <laughs> They've called me special, but not gifted. <laughs> but, yeah. It's so, a big I mean, that's, that's kind of where it all began. Um, but it was a huge eye-opener for me that I determined where my life is going to go. And that's where, that's, that, at that moment, that's where my life really went from coming down to straight up. Uh, I didn't exactly, you know, graduate top of my class. I still graduated, you know, the, in the, the portion of the class that made the top half possible. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> that's, I've never heard anyone put it that way, but uh, that's, that's lovely uh, is what that is. Um, but yeah, so I want to unpack a couple of things because I, I, mean, I love your story and I want you to keep going. But, um, you know, the, the, the idea, you know, from middle school, you've been told learning disabled, uh, hey, you need a little help, uh, special, you know, people use all the different labels. Um, and then you see something that's worth your attention and you start directing your attention towards it and you start finding and, and picking the resources that actually help you, you get there. And, you know, if, if anyone was placing bets, do you, can you think of anybody that would have bet on you passing? <laughs> no. My mom, that was probably it, and it was only because she had to. <laughs> <laughs> Comes with the job description of motherhood. You just gotta, she would have gone her. broke knowing she would have gone broke. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, but I got I to gotta go with mine. Well, so from there, now that's, a, I mean, that's a heralding sort of tale. And, it, you know, it's not Hollywoodized. You know, you got to the program, you got through the program, but it's not like you got to give the valedictorian speech. Uh, you got through. But the story, that was like your first big hurdle. Like it was the first big overcoming moment where that let you know that you could be in control of, of the direction of your life. But, you know, it for sure didn't stop there. Where did you go next after, after the engineering program? 
So uh, anybody in the engineering program was supposed to get um, two paid years, uh, so total scholarship to Dayton. And the problem was, is they put us in this program that the, the instructor barely spoke English. So it was very, very tough for everybody, but it was exceptionally tough for me. And so I didn't finish. Uh, and a good friend of mine that was also in the program and I went and got into aerospace. And we were just stringing wire uh, inside of aircraft. And it was, it was a great experience to get into, the, into aerospace, which is avionics rather than electronics. Uh, getting into avionics, learning that trade, and then traveling around the United States through these um, contracts. And it was, it was phenomenal until we got to Wichita at a place called Learjet. Uh, Bombardier uh, bought them out, so it's now Bombardier Learjet. Uh, and they're the leading business jet manufacturer in the world. And again, we got in as um, uh, stringing wire, I wanted to try out the functional test, which means when they turn on the aircraft, so it'll go up one side of the hangar and it's being built. It gets the wings put on, gets all the wires put in. And then it takes a turn to go back the other side of the hangar and that's when they turn it on. That's when they turn on the aircraft and all chaos breaks loose when they put you know, power to an aircraft that's never been turned on before. And then so the functional test team fixes all of that. Well, with some of the issues that, um, that I have, uh, I, I don't remember a lot of things. I, I have to write everything down. Uh, literally, I have, you know, I have a pad of paper right next to me, uh, and I always have a pad of paper right next to me because I write everything down. And so when I got into that functional test team, I literally wrote down every issue that I had and where, what it is that I did to fix it. Well, once this book got pretty big, then it got very easy for me to fix an aircraft. I was fixing that aircraft two to three times faster than anybody else. Uh, so I came to my, my uh, manager at the time and I asked him, his name was uh, Steven Scott. I asked him, I said, do you mind if I get the next three aircraft? And he said, hey, no problem. I said, can I get my own team? And so we did and we were able to push aircraft out three times faster than what they normally did. And at that time, the company is run by a company or a guy by the name of Jim Ziegler. And he'd come down and he'd let me know, and as well as my manager know, how many millions of dollars we saved by pushing that aircraft out so fast. And so uh, he decided to give me an opportunity to get into engineering. And I don't have a degree. I still don't have a degree. Um, so gave me the opportunity to get into the engineering department uh, to see how we could do the same thing with all the aircraft lines. And that's what we did. I, I spent a lot of time in uh, Canada, which is where Bombardier is. Uh, most of your Canada are Learjets. I worked on uh, at least that program. So the 200, the 700, and the 900 that you fly on with Delta a lot. So, wow. So um, just to put in... <laughs> Putting in, in that into perspective, like millions of dollars, three times as fast. Um, building an airplane, that's not a crew of two people. Mm -hmm. That's not a crew of five people. Like when, when uh, you said Jim Ziegler? Yeah, uh, he was the president at the time. Yeah, when he's telling you you're saving him millions of dollars, it, like, it's not that difficult to, to kind of quick math calculate where that money is coming from when you can, 
imagine a plane takes three weeks and you can do it in one, or it takes nine weeks and you can do it in three. In terms of man hours, that's absurd, right? Like that's, a, that's an incredible, incredible savings. And what's interesting to me is that it's not like aeronautic engineering was, was terribly new. There'd been a couple of decades by the time you came to it, not a couple, actually several decades of it. And no one had ever yeah. thought to create processes and systems for building and then testing an aircraft until you, the guy who right. didn't have the degree and didn't go through all the same school schooling that you know, they were taught how to do it. Nobody ever thought out of the box and said, we can do this better until, until you. And I, I hope everybody listening to this is, is catching some of this stuff. Like you don't have to be qualified to show up. Uh, you, you, you have to be intentional and you have to dream big. And um, clearly you did. And so um, what people don't make, well, some people who know you now uh, might know this, but what people don't realize now is this was not like, you're not still in aeronautics. Like you're, you have created an enormous uh, presence in home remodeling. Uh, I want you to share a little bit of your stories with, with was it bath fitters? Um, I don't want to na- drop a name that you may or may not still be associated mm-hmm. with, but I'll let you direct that. But um, it just, it gets better. You figuring out how to create systems that created efficiencies led to much, much more. Can you tell us a little bit about that? So once uh, 9-11 happened, um, you know, chaos broke out in aerospace, obviously a couple of airplanes go into a big building, it tends to uh, hurt that, that industry. So, you know, what happened was, as we came back to Ohio, I got into sales and found out, and long story short, I found out I was pretty good at sales. Um, I sold anything from insurance to mortgage and then ended up at home. And home has it has been very good to me. It's been very good to my family. And so I got into my first home improvement company that I came into was Bathfitter, a guy that was a very close mentor or is a close mentor of mine. Um, you know, Jason Hart with Bathfitter uh, brought me in and he, he didn't know if he was betting on the right guy. Uh, he does now. I mean, it's, it's been a long time since I've been there. But uh, we did some great things with Bathfitter as far as growing them uh, and, and putting in the right systems. Uh, and then ultimately, a, an opportunity came along with a company called uh, Able Roof and Mr. Roof, which is the largest residential roofer in the United States. And so, I don't want you to uh, blaze over Bathfitters. You did some pretty cool things, you say. But like, uh, you, you became with Bathfitters, what was the title? One of the fastest growing... Um, companies in that in in that space in a, in the country is that is that accurate or am i making this up no you're 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 exactly right and you know it's, it's when i came in nobody really had even heard of bath fitter and this is what something that i hear a lot is <laughs> the same bath fitter is in like every store in every box store in the country nobody had heard of it you know that's that's uh rebath which is another company i've worked with okay um, i'm sorry yeah bath fitter Bathfitter is the name brand. It's like when uh, you ask for Kleenex, you know, mm-hmm. it, it may be Puffs Plus, but you know it as Kleenex just, just because they did that well at branding themselves. And so uh, same thing with, with Bathfitter 
you know, I, if, I, if I'm going to go into a home and I'm going to sell them something other than bath, but a, a rebath or a bath planet, something like that, I, that I always get. So it's one of those fitters. It's one of those fitters. And it's like, <laughs> I actually did pretty well. But, yeah. uh, you know, they, after I left, everybody knew what bath fitter was, who bath fitter was. Um, it became easy to sell bath fitter just because of the branding. And that's not all me. I mean, it was a team. You know, when someone comes into an organization, it's never just them. It's the team that they put behind them, you know, yeah. and the team that they, they uh, associate themselves with. Um, same thing with Abel and Mr. Roof. There's over 300 employees there. So for me to say, hey, I did great things there, it's we did great things there. Um, but, you know, somebody has to be there to move that forward. Yeah, um, cast a big vision. I mean, is there any insight that you can tell us about? Because like this is not this has now become a pattern. You're you're not 20 years old. You've been doing this pattern of going into a place, looking around, assembling a team. Even back in at the, at the Learjet days, you said you asked, "Can I put my team together?" And you did that. And so that theme seems to be running throughout. Are there any nuggets of like what what should some, if somebody is in a position where they're in, they have an opportunity maybe in management of a company or they're an entrepreneur um, and they're trying to, uh, you know, attract the right people to go, go build a vision. Uh, no pun intended. I don't know, maybe, maybe a little bit of intended, <laughs> but, but they're trying to, they're trying to, to really grow. What would be some first steps, just some keys that you would say, say, Hey, slow down and do this before you, before you get off to the races. You're, you're exactly right. When you're looking to build anything, I don't care if it's, you know, you're, you're building a church, you're building a, a large company, you're building something from the ground up. It's the team that you choose to associate yourself with. Now, it's not just building a team. You have to build the right team. And any of the business owners that I work with, the first thing is, is you have to hire for your weaknesses. If you don't like to market, you need to hire a marketing person. If you don't like to sell, you need to hire salespeople. If you don't know how to put the product inside, inside someone's home, then you need to find somebody that knows how to do it better than anybody else. And here's the other thing is, is never, ever burn a bridge. You know, when I leave a company, I, those people are some of my closest friends. And at any time that they decide that, hey, you know what? Um, me and my wife are moving down to Florida. Do you have any other companies down there? It's, it's great to know that this is one of the best salesmen or the best production people I've ever met. And I'm going to associate myself with them. I'm going to bring them into to Florida or maybe bring them into another company of mine. But, you know, to know the best in the business and to put them where they need to be. I mean, you can't, that team itself and how to build that team is essential. So you got to know who you need, not just, I'm, I'm going to throw an Indeed out there and someone that talks really well, I'm going to hire that person. You got to know who you want. Uh, I, I do the same thing when guys, you know, when they want to talk about, uh, man, I need to find a wife. And it's like, well, you need to find a partner is what you need. It's the same thing. You know, you're about to marry somebody into your company and you better know who they are, what they can do and what they can do for you. Wow, that's huge. Um... I think it's huge because a lot of times people hire or they assemble a team from a state of desperation. They look at the numbers and say, this is what we're not getting done. We need somebody who does this. 
Um, and from that state, uh, they don't often take the time to dream and to consider like, what would life be like? What would our business be like? What would our customer experience be like if we had, and then start to imagine who that person is. Um, and I know that sounds for some people, it sounds a little hokey, but, um, I have found that the greater confidence I have about who I need uh, to, to join me in whatever I'm trying to do, um, the more capable I am of recognizing when, them when they show up. Um, mm -hmm. And so, you know, chicken and egg thing, I guess you could, you could say, but I, I, I found the pattern uh, that if, if I'm not really considering who and why, um, I'm not able to notice the what and the how when they, <laughs> when they cross my path. So, um, and so now you're also, I mean, the pandemic that uh, I keep, as we do these episodes, I keep trying not to timestamp it, but like, you know, I'm pretty sure that the pandemic of 2020, uh, global pandemic, uh, will go down in history as a significant, significant moment. Um, so, at this point, I'm, I'm done trying to hide that that's, that's where we were. However, um, you have been also not just building individual companies as, as, as a consultant or as a team, team lead. Um, you've also been a, a speaker at a lot of conferences and, you know, events, um, not least of which schools. Uh, talk a little bit about what you're doing now. So most of what I do now is I talk to a lot of conferences. Uh, a lot of home improvement conferences, sales conferences, um, leadership type conferences to come in and help people understand the new wave. So many of the speakers, and, and I love them all, but so many of the speakers are still talking about the same stuff they talked about 10 years ago, and, and times have changed. Um, times have changed more in the last 10 years than ever, uh, and, and it's been very, very rapid. So when I'm coming in, I'm not... I'm not like Larry Wingate where he's very irritating. Uh, he's very in your face. I love Larry, but I am very upfront. Um, you know, if there's issues in that, that sector, I'm going to bring them up. Uh, I'm going to leave people with their jaws open a little bit. I'm there to make sure that when you leave that conference, that you leave with something you can use, not just, yeah, that guy was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the hope of any one of us who gets in front of people to share something is, you know, I, 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 there's a lot of people that I know that are in the space um, uh, and sometimes me included where you get done with a talk and you have this, like, I hope I gave them something that will, will change their lives, that, that will make it worth every penny, every sacrifice that they made in order to get here. Um, and I know, I know that's who you are. Uh, it's one of the reasons I wanted to share you with, with who my audience is, is because, you know, like I don't work in the home improvement space, but I, I recognize that in hearing your story and even the patterns that you've created in life, um, we can all, we can all grow from that. We can all, you know, you don't have to be in a home improvement to understand the value of creating systems and best practices to the value of assembling a good team. Uh, you know, the value of, of not, I mean, one, oh, one thing that 
I don't know if I was watching a video that you had posted or if I was sitting across from you getting coffee or at what point you actually um, shared with me something about like the sales process and rather than selling on price and speed, selling on value um, and, and kind of casting people into the future of what their life would be like if they didn't get the best value. And, um, and I, I think, no, I, I think we were having coffee and you were telling me a story and I, you know, uh, one thing that I've said on this program is this idea that, you know, if, if the value is high enough, sometimes the cost doesn't matter. And, um, and I, I feel like one of the reasons that you've been so successful in sales is that you're not racing to the bottom of, mm -hmm. of price shopping. You, what, what you're doing has a lot more to do with, with making sure that you're solving problems for people and giving them good pillow time, right? They're, they're, they've got peace of mind. They can rest knowing that a job was well done. You talking yeah. to that a little bit, or did I just like? No, just no, no. no. Yeah. So I um, there's a phrase out there. I didn't come up with it, but it, the phrase is "I'm too broke to buy cheap." And you know, there's so many people out there that are just looking for the cheap fix. And I, I did just post on on Facebook. You may have seen it, where a, um, a one of my clients came to me and he says, "Man, I, I don't know how to get around this." The you know, last night. A customer told me that, uh, wow, you guys are really expensive. You know, I'm sorry I wasted your time. I says, you need to look back and say, look, sir, you didn't waste my time. My biggest fear is that you're going to go with a cheap contractor that's going to waste your money. And he's like, oh, my gosh, so it's good. genius. Like, that's a play on words. But it throws it back at the homeowner to help them understand that it's not about the price. That no matter where you go. Uh, and everybody's seen the, the funny uh, tattoos and stuff like that. But, you know, no matter what you do, no matter where you go, you can always find it cheaper. The problem is, is at what risk are you going to go in and get something cheaper? Yeah. Yeah. That's... So you have to have a sales process. And that sales process has to have uh, price conditioning in it so that, you know, you, anytime we go in for baths, you know, we always know that, you know, the magic number for baths is, you know, like right around $3,500. Well, if you've ever, you know, worked on your bath or, or had your bath changed out, uh, it could be an upwards of eight or 9,000. So wow. we have to take that and we need to bring them from here to here before that price comes out. So we have to bring that value. We have to show them why it can cost that much. And why, you know, you can use tile and you're going to be doing it again here in 10 years, or you can do it in acrylic and it'll look the same in 40 years from now that when you're ready to sell the place, then it does the day that it went in. So again, it's all on the value of yeah. what you're going to use. I want to, I mean, I know this is not necessarily the space that you live, live in, but I feel like there's such parallels to just life in general. I mean, yeah, you have a life and kids and family. So, so I don't think I'm going too far off the field, but like when you talk about the value proposition, it also has a lot to do with how we tell people to treat us like in our relationships, you know, the, the, when you talk about um, pointing out the, the value, I mean, when somebody's thinking I need to find the cheapest way to, to stop this problem today, and you're talking about, yeah, but the difference between doing it cheaply and doing it the right way 
could be 40 years of peace versus three, right? Um, is, is, is also, I think, parallel to when we, when we are in relationship with people, whether it's a business, business relationship, a friendship re relationship, marriage, whatever, um, a lot of times we find ourselves uh, just kind of trying to get through this Im immediate crisis instead of taking a step back and recognizing the humanity, uh, not just in ourselves, but in the other person that we're interacting with and, and considering like, well, if I want this relationship to grow and only get better and better, what sort of, of, of what sort of investment do I make in this moment if I'm trying to build for long-term versus do I punt, you know, do I punt forward and say, I don't want to deal with this right now. Um, and what, you know, what is, how does that reflect? I, you know, the, it's interesting that you're talking about sales, which I also, you know, in a, in a way, I'm also in sales. Um, but I'm sitting here thinking, man, isn't that so, isn't that true? I mean, of relationships. Um, and I don't know if you've ever noticed that parallel, but I'm, I'm sitting here listening to you. I'm like, man, that's, that's kind of a big deal that we, uh, especially, you know, in an, an election cycle, like at the time of this recording, we're, we're all still waiting for the results of the, of the presidential election. And, uh, you know, a lot of people have forgotten how to listen to one another, have forgotten that a conversation literally means two sides sharing a vision, the idea being that both parties walk away with more than they came with. Um, and, uh, you know, what, 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 does a real, what does the effort of this moment look like if your intention is to build long-lasting, stable, thriving, joy-giving relationships, right? Sure. Um, I'm, I'm going to throw something out there. And so your relationships, there's two things that you need to be selfish with in your life. Um, and one is relationships. Uh, the next one is time, you know, cause I'm a giver. I love to give, I love to uh, work with people, but you only have so much time. And, you know, so, you know, you have to use that time very, very, um, it, it has to be something that's very precious to you. You have to do a, 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 use that time wisely. And so when you're looking at a relationship, you know, you look at it somewhat selfish as to what can I gain from the relationship? But again, how much, you know, value can I give to the relationship? Um, you know, so a lot of my friends, uh, a lot of my closest friends are very successful. Uh, and I, you know, I pick my friends very you know, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to say it because I know that there's a lot of people out there saying, oh, you should be friends with everybody. It's like, I am, but it's depending on who I'm going to spend my time with. And yeah. you my know, mom would I call that you. judicious, be very yeah. judicious with your relationships. <laughs> and you have to be, you know, yeah. and your success is dependent on the, the, the five relationships that you spend the most time with, you know, so if this is somebody that is very negative, you need to get away from them. And I'm sorry to say it, but sometimes that's family. You know, not to say that you dispel that person, but you have to get away from them. So that, that negativity is something that can drag you down and keep you down. When someone's telling you can't do something, you're not worth that, there's no reason for you to even try, then it's very hard for you to be a success. So. Um, you know, if you're going to talk about, you know, the value, it's not only the value that, that it's, it's a give and take value. How much value can they give you and how much value can you give them? 
uh, when it comes to life itself and your relationships, as well as the time you spend. That's good stuff right there. And I, you know, I hope everybody uh, hears that and not just as one of those things that, Oh, that's cool that I heard, but actually considers what that might mean. Because, you know, I, I never want anybody to think that, you know, in order to level up, in order to get to the next best version, next better version of you. Um, and when I say better, I don't mean, I'm not making a judgment on value. What I'm saying is closer to the best version of you, like all that you were created to be. Um, I think a lot of times people hear stuff like that, you know, being judicious with your relationships or choosing wisely the people that are in your close uh, circle, your circle of trust, as it were, as, as being an excuse to just start dumping friends. And I don't think there is an excuse to dump friends, but just like you said, um, you do have to find a way to get away from them. In other words, um, I don't remember who said it at the moment, but there's this quote that says as a, um, I'll, you know, if I remember it, I'll post it in the, in the comments below. Uh, but, uh, you know, just as it takes a nail to drive out another nail, so it takes a, a new habit to drive out a bad habit. And I find that you don't have to tell your friends to kick rocks. You just have to get really obsessive about who um, you're spending your time with, really, right? Is that is that kind of what you're getting at? Like, be proactive yeah. about where you're spending your time. Don't just say, yeah, sure, why not? Uh, when people ask you to be around or to do things, but start to be you know, proactive about what you want your time uh, to look like. Is that, is that a little bit closer to, to what, you're, exactly. what you're referring you're right to? On. You're right on. Um, so, man, uh, it's always a pleasure spending time with you, Chuck. Um, you know, it's funny when you came and you spoke to our office, uh, <laughs> I, you know, immediately was like, Josh, I need to get in touch with that guy. Um, <laughs> it was just one of those moments where I was like, uh, right now, run, don't walk, give me his content. And then we, you know, went and had coffee and I shared with you some of my, my goals and you gave me a lot of good ideas, which I then went and executed on. And arguably, um, you're one of those people that planted some seeds that led to me doing this um, in a way because, uh, you know, times changed for all of us a little bit and here we, here we are. So um, I appreciate you. I want, I want to just kind of acknowledge you in that way. And then also too, I want you to take a minute and just tell people how they can get in touch with you, um, how they can support voices like you, specifically yours, um, just being able to be more readily available to people. Um, and also, too, if you could spend a moment talking about the work that you've done with with kids, and if if you're a teacher or an educator out there and you would like to to get Chuck in front of the people you love, how does that work? So I do want to start out with that. Um, when it comes to the the kids, um, I love to give back. I, I I don't charge to speak at schools. I don't charge to speak at, at churches it's just me giving my story um it's me just kind of opening up and and the the kids that get me most are those kids that are in those ld classes um i think they're called ip now but um these these learning disabled kids where they're being told that they're special they're and, and, and these kids aren't dumb 
You mean they know what this means? They know they're not like the other kids in school. And all that means is that they don't learn the same way. So I'd love to get into more of the schools. I'd love to, to sit down in front of somebody that uh, thinks that they're different from everybody else. Um, that's, that's a passion of mine uh, is to spread my story and help people understand that just because you, know, you were labeled at some point doesn't mean you can't be a Doogie Hauser somewhere uh, and I mean, you have to be a little older to, to understand what I'm that with is. You. But... I'm with you on the Doogie Hauser <laughs> reference. <laughs> so... But uh, to, to, under, you know, to really understand that you can make a difference in a different part of the world, if you will, or, or industry. Um, you know, and so to get a hold of me, I mean, it's very, very easy to um, uh, get a hold of me through email, which is C T H O K E Y which is my first initial last name at gmail.com. Uh, and um, as well as uh, www. Uh, sorry, uh, mycoachchuck.com. I, I have so many websites. Uh, sometimes I get them uh, mixed up. But, um, you know, you can also, and one of the easiest ways to get a hold of me is on LinkedIn or Facebook. Uh, I have people that will message me every day on uh, Facebook or LinkedIn, and I always try to get back to them within uh, that same day. So they can always uh, either friend me on Facebook as well as LinkedIn. Awesome, awesome. Well, uh, I'll post those links. Um, you know, here's a guy, you know, talking about, about improving your, your associations. Some people can do those, that by books for a time. But, you know, you want to get around some people that are going to challenge you. And you may not all who are watching this get a chance to sit in a room or to have coffee with Chuck. But by all means, you can, you can track where he's going and see if maybe you uh, can be in one of the places where he's speaking. Um, because it'll certainly bless your life. And uh, Chuck, I really appreciate you uh, spending some time with me and, and you know, with my, with my audience here. Um, because it, it, it means a lot. And uh, with that, I would just say uh, anyone who, if you enjoyed this content, if you enjoy content like this, make sure you hit like. Um, and if you really, really enjoy it and you start to see a few other links that are, are, are really touching you and blessing you and you wanna share with some other people, leave some comments, join the conversation. I look at every single one of the comments. Um, and so, and also when you hit subscribe, hit the, hit the notification bell, we drop content every Friday and it's all designed to help you get a little bit more clarity on where you're going and what it is that you're trying to accomplish. Um, and if you're listening on podcast right now, um, specifically Apple podcast, make sure that you uh, give a, a rating and, and uh, you know, leave a comment because for whatever reason in that algorithm, uh, in order for people, more people to see it, they just, you know, you, you have to interact. So um, with all that, we, we want to help you, uh, so take advantage, share with people, and, you know, we, we would love and appreciate all of you. And so, as always, my friends, build a vision, build a life. Peace.